Welcome to the Airmail Podcast. Airmail is an e-card platform where you can set your thoughts free via text or email. My name is Mel and I am the owner of Airmail eCards and the host of this podcast. You will find all of our podcasts to be just as uninhibited as our cards. So pull up a virtual chair and join in. Let me welcome our panelists to the podcast to take a look at marriage today. These panelists should provide us with a variety of ideas concerning marriage. Their views will be as diverse as their backgrounds. Our first panelist is Carl West. Carl is the chairman and CEO of MG Media, a global marketing and publishing firm founded in 1998. As publisher, MG Media is the parent company to The Truth Magazine and producer of The Truth Awards, both created in 2000 to identify, profile, and showcase the innovative, prolific trailblazers in Chicago's entertainment and business commerce. Mr. West sits on the board of various organizations, including the Negro Baseball Academy, Southside Federal Credit Union, and the Truth for Literacy Foundation. In 2009, he was inducted into the Chicago Vocational High School Hall of Fame and has been recognized by Chicago's Who's Who for two consecutive years. In addition to regularly participating in Real Men Read and Principal Four Day initiatives, Carl volunteers for several nonprofit organizations, including YMCA Black, Hispanic Achievers Program, the South Central Community Services Program. He founded True for Literacy, an after-school mentoring program for at-risk youth that partners with public schools and community groups to teach reading, writing, communication skills, and leadership development. After publishing The Truth Magazine for nearly 10 years, Carr has entered the online media space, developing a digital footprint and platform. In April of 2010, Truth Be Told Services, that's tbtnewsservice.com, was launched to engage the next generation of leaders. Today, this news service has over 50,000 subscribers. Welcome, Carl. Our next panelist is Monique Everett Day. Monique is 49 years old, was born and raised in Decatur, Georgia, and currently resides in the suburbs of the Atlanta metropolitan area. She attended Northside High School of Performing Arts and Dance. Monique has a master's degree in accounting and financial management and is a Tennessee State University alum. She is the owner of Everett Day Enterprises, LLC accounting and financial consulting firm. Monique works as a senior business manager at Emory University. In her spare time, she enjoys concerts, dancing, and sporting events. She is a divorcee of 17 years and has a 23-year-old son. Welcome, Monique. Our final panelist is Frances Jackson. Frances is a believer, wife to Jeremy Jackson, and mother of two beautiful little girls, Ava, seven years, and Ari, three years. Frances is originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia. She moved to Atlanta after graduating from Florida A&M University, where she earned her BS in accounting and master's in business administration. 
After graduating, she pursued a career in commercial real estate and now works as a director of property management and development for a locally owned industrial developer. In her spare time, Frances manages an event planning business if she isn't spending time with her family and friends. Welcome, Frances. Welcome, everyone. This should be an interesting podcast with diverse viewpoints about marriage. Panelists, don't hold back. Tell me how you really feel about the institution of marriage. Let's spill the tea. According to the CDC, for every 6.1 million people to get married, 2.7 million will get divorced. Also, 60 Minutes and Vanity Fair polled Americans for their thoughts on marriage. 54% labeled it a mark of commitment, while 23% labeled it a way to provide for raising children. 20% thought, quote, marriage doesn't have much of a purpose, end quote. But there are still Americans that find marriage relevant. So where do you stand, Monique? Oh my goodness, I was just listening to the statistics with the 6.1 million people will get married and 2.7 million will get divorced. Wow. Well, I guess I'm one of those divorcees, so I'm part of that 2.7 million. That's okay. okay. <laughs> but um, I do believe marriage is the institution of God joining two people together as life partners to navigate through this thing called life that we go through every day. One significant pur purpose of marriage, I feel, that is to produce offspring and to provide a stability in the home where the children feel safe and secured in love. But I think it also depends on where people are in their lives. You know, like for me right now, I want to remarry, but, you know, I'm not on a time constraint meeting. My clock is ticking because I don't want to have any more kids because, you know, I do have a son that's um, a young adult that's 23 years old. So I definitely want to make time, take the time to get to know my future husband. Okay. Carl, I know you have something to say, so let's bring it. <laughs> well, first of all, repeat the question. Okay. So the question is, where am I signing? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Monique. Oh, yeah. When I got married at 25 and had my son at 27, the things I thought were important at 25 is totally different for me now in my life at 49. So. Yeah, I bet they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, the question is, um, you know, people still are, are getting married and they find ma marriage relevant. Where uh -huh. do you stand on marriage? What are your views on that? Is it relevant for you today? Yes, I'm, it is. It, it is. Yeah. That's, okay. that's, Monique, Monique is still responding. Let her finish. Yes, it's still relevant for me. Uh, relevant for me today. I still be believe in marriage and the love between two people. But at this time in my life, I'm big on being peaceful. So I want a peaceful, stress-free life <laughs> <laughs> going forward. So I want my the person my future husband to be you know very well grounded um peaceful i don't want a lot of chaos you know right now or you know i might as well stay single until i find that right person okay Carl. 
What's the question again? <laughs> okay, Carl. So basically, <laughs> what I want to know is, based on all these statistics and people still marrying, how do you personally feel about marriage? Do you think marriage is relevant today? Is it something that you would, you know? So I'm, I'm conflicted on my answer only because my thoughts have changed over the years. And so present, let me start with the present and I'm gonna go back. So present, absolutely, I'm 50 and, but I, and I want to have, I think marriage is the most important institution in the world, to be honest. It's the greatest partnership that mankind has created or God has created, put it that way. Um, you know, we do business, I'm, I'm in business, so I know the importance of doing business deals, know the importance of having relationships with business associates and having collaboration in order to move business, your business from one space to another. So I understand that very well. And that's external. That's an external relationship. Uh, I want to know, and I know the effort that I put in to do that. I've put in 20 years of having the business and having those kind of relationships, but they've all been external. And of course, like any good, any business, you have bad relationships in business and you have good relationships. But of course, you only try to focus on the good because the good ones are the ones that provide the opportunities for you. So I've always said to myself, uh, could I have a relationship equal or greater than the business relationship that I've had? Because being practical, knowing that a marriage is also a business. It is a business mm -hmm. between a man and a woman who decide uh, how they want to live peacefully, stress-free, productive, progressive. All those things are part of that partnership. And of course, you say it all in the beginning, but do you live accordingly to execute that? So presently, I want to know what that feels like. I've done that from the external standpoint of business. I want to know what it feels like to have a business relationship, a loving, respectful admiration for someone who is joining with me to enjoy a quality of life and progress over the years. And so that's present. The conflicting part is because when I was 20 years prior, I got a daughter who was 20. So I launched my business maybe two years prior to her being born. And, she, and once I had her, me and her mom, we were together then, but we didn't last probably no longer than she was one. And then we always remain friends. I'll say it right now. We've got the best relationship ever. Uh, she's remarried and all of us hang out and have a good time. And that's cool. Uh, but that when, when I didn't work out with her, I knew the struggles that I was in, which contributed to me and her mom not being together, quitting my job and launching my business. That was a tremendous amount of adversity I was dealt with that I had to figure out. And I had to figure out and then, and then, overcome it and then manage it. And I was very conscious knowing that I was not gonna 
have a a woman that came along who would I would take through that journey that I took her mom through in those first in that first year. Even the fact is that those first two years, because when I started my when I start, started my business, she was present. She actually helped me start the business in a sense. She was my first employee, uh, non-paid, of course. <laughs> and so I knew the challenge of that and I recognized that challenge. Now, what I would love for us had have been together and worked through that and then had this wonderful child all in one home, that would have been the ideal situation. And that's the part that that really is, a, is one of those things that Jay-Z said, you got to learn how to live with regrets. That's one of the regrets of my life, not being able to do that. I believe that would have been an important fact that would have changed the trajectory of a lot of things. Me, for me, for her and our daughter, who's she's great, but she would have probably been greater. I'm sure she has challenges that she had to deal with, you know, when she was growing up, being transported back and forth. That's not normal. It's, it's, well, it's normal if that's the way you got to live, but I just don't think it was, it was healthy for her. Uh, so I knew at that point, I was not going to involve a woman in my life until I was able to get past that. Uh, and so that's kind of where I was at. I spent the last 20 years trying to grow my business, struggling in that the first 10. And it would have been nice to have somebody that was on the same page with me. We was on the same page together, but I didn't have that. So I was very intentional not to include a woman and have to have a situation where she she was not in line, I'm not on board with what I wanted to do because I know how hurtful that was to me with my daughter's mother. I was extremely hurt because she was like, that journey is just too much for me. I don't want to do that. So you, we have to depart and you have complete access to your daughter, of course. And so I just program myself to just not get that involved until, and of course, time goes by. I look up as 20 years later and I'm like, mm -hmm. wow. Now I'm, I'm like, where's, where's she at? <laughs> it, that's it. Where's she at? Because now it's time. My daughter is 20. And look, she got married before me. My daughter just got married in February at 20. And I'm like, you did it before I did it. What the heck is up with that? So <laughs> right? now it's my turn because she released a lot of things from me by her doing that. I said, you got you a new daddy now. You just, you know where to find me when you need me. But you go do your thing. And now it's time for me to do mine. And so again... I'm like, I'm 50, now is my turn. So now I'm looking for that institution to be built internally instead of having the ones that I've done externally through business. Okay. That's it. All right, Ms. Francis. Well, I think um, it's kind of interesting because when you, when we kind of first talked about this question, the my initial thought was, of course, it's a it's a holy institution that God has created, and um, it's. I find it interesting that everyone on the panel said the exact same thing because I really feel like that is lost today. Like it, people are not um, really considering it more of a 
holy institution, it's more of a either a strictly business relationship or they're in it for the kids or um, for some sort of benefit that they can get out of their partner um, that they feel like they're missing in their lives when really it's it's not supposed to be any of that. It's supposed to be a relationship, a relationship that's been ordained by God to um, come together and fulfill his will for your life and you know, your offspring and things of that nature. And I think um, particularly for my generation, um, a lot of us are either playing house or playing married and uh, don't feel like it's necessary to get married. But from my personal opinion, it is a necessary institution that's been um, almost like a holy sacrament that God has created to be able to be fruitful and multiply and live out his holy will for us. And I will say that Francis is, is representing the millennials here. So. <laughs> yes. Um, Francis, do you think that um, social media has a lot to do with that? Because um, nowadays, like you said, the millennials and the younger generation, you know, their marriage, they're marrying for, I don't know. They they're not even getting married to like later on in life. Like you know, from mm -hmm. the generation X and ba and prior baby boomers, we were you know that was what you did. You went to college, you got your career started, and then I, I know for the women, um, you know, the next mm -hmm. step would be marriage. Nowadays, I know I have cousins and stuff that you know they go along and they're um, they're more focused on career progression, and then mm -hmm. the, maybe they get married later on in life. Or um, they're not even thinking about, you know, even thinking about having kids to later. And it's, it's more about right. the finances, probably. Well, I think, Monique, it goes either way. Because either you have a group of people who have had children earlier. So that uh -huh. is not no longer a rush to. There is no clock ticking. Mm -hmm. Because they are independent and they can raise their own children and, and have decided to do so. Or you have mm -hmm. those who wait so long after a career that they're starting to have kids in 40s and 50s. So, you know, yep. you have a whole new um, generation um, of women who are thinking differently and operating differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of factoring into all of that, you know. Yeah. And I think part of that, too, right, is we have all this data and we have now learned as women, you know, especially career focused folks like I am. Um, that we were underpaid, that we didn't have opportunities and abilities that um, were afforded to our male counterparts. And it is now kind of apparent and at the forefront. And so we're kind of like, you know what? That's not okay. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna try and do whatever a male can do. Don't care, you know, we have our first female vice president of the United States because of that mindset, you know? And, um, but I do think there's one thing that my teacher um, in high school told me a long time ago, and I still remember it, is that what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. So as the generations move on, you know, things like I can do bad all by myself, or I don't need a man, or um, you know what, it's okay for me to have sex outside of marriage. I'll just go ahead and have all of my, you know, 
uh, desires fulfilled outside of marriage and that's fine, you know, or social media, you see images of, you know, women or who are with sugar daddies or have money or who are out here, you know, dressed a certain kind of way and, and that's how they're getting their fame and their fortune. And I feel like that saying still reigns true that the more we continue to tolerate these things in future generations, it's going to become normal. All right. So here's another question for you panelists. Should couples stay together for the sake of the children if the marriage isn't working? Let me throw this in before you answer. According to the US Census, the national trend of adults over 50, divorcing is linked to marital instability. Now, do you think that just happened overnight? Or you think people just hung in there? Give me some pros and cons, and I'm gonna begin with you, Francis. I 100% don't believe that people should stay in a marriage for children. Um, <laughs> and I do think that, you know, children are, are very important. Um, but, you know, I guess it depends on what we're talking about here, right? Like, if we're staying in a marriage because of the children, when there's any type of physical or you know, mental abuse or anything of that nature, it's absolutely not okay. Um, and then if, if we're talking, you know, differences and, and um, things that should be worked out through counseling or um, things of that nature, that's a, a whole different scenario. So, um, but I do not believe that someone should just ultimately stay in a relationship for the children, but I do think it, it's a case by case scenario on whether is this a marriage that um, is God centered and, you know, we're going to work through whatever issues we have and keep our family together, or is it something that is not God centered and we need to go ahead and part ways? And I'm absolutely okay with that. Okay, Monique? No, I most definitely don't think people should stay together. Um, stay married just for the sake of the children. I think the children can pick up, you know, if their parents aren't happy or if it's something not right with the relationship between their mother and father. Um, it's kind of hard when people stay in the marriage if they're unhappy because, um, you know, it could lead to some disrespect going on or it could just not be just a pleasant, you know, pleasant um, type of atmosphere for the kids and you know the ultimate goal is for you know them for you to raise them for you know to be you know for them to grow up to be you know healthy and productive citizens and if they're around kind of dysfunction then that that's not good for the um the family as, unit as a whole carl you touched on this a little bit before would you like to say anything else absolutely oh wow that, you know, Francis made the statement that it's a case-by-case -case basis, and I think that that is probably the case as well. You definitely have to evaluate the scenario of what's happening, and as household, as Francis stated, definitely, you, you know, you're not going to be anywhere where there's mental, uh, excessive mental and physical abuse of any kind, so 
that's just takes that question off the table. Uh, there's no answer. The only answer to that is no. But I do believe that there's situations where uh, if we have, and I'm going to use this word because this is a word that I like to use a lot uh, in today's society and even past, and that is the word uh, maturity. They, there comes a time when they tell us that we have to be mature adults. You know, we have to make sacrifices in life in order to fulfill obligations and dreams. And we have to always think about, you know, when you're a business person and my teachings with all of my mentors and my studying, having a business is not about today. It's really about building something for the future that will provide for you much for you and your family down the road and give you great satisfaction in watching the process of this building, this erecting this monument, if you want to call it that. Um, so it's the same thing with a home. And once you decide to have children, I believe that you must make tremendous sacrifices to do whatever it takes to give them a quality of life and a sound, stable home. Definitely when we hear the stats of how many households are ran without two parents, the number continues to increase. And when we see that, in, and those increases are tied to some of the things that we see today. Dysfunction amongst children, no uh, violence, no structure, chaos. And that has something to do with not having that functional functionality between a father and a mother raising children in the house. So I would say yes would be my response to that because I believe that as parents, we chose to do this. And if we're going to do this to the fullest of our abilities, to the fullest of our um, giving our child the 100% opportunity to be the best that they can be. Now, granted, again, I'm saying something that's self-explanatory. Many of kids have been from single-house homes, so-called broke his home, using that language, and they've went on to do fine. That's who we are. We all are survivors when we are forced to do so because we have dreams and goals and aspirations. But we also fail to realize the burden that is put on a child to grow up and go out and secure him or herself life's dreams coming from a broken function, a function that is not giving them its totality. That's what a man and a woman in a household gives to children, the totality of what it looks like to be in a, in a space, unconditional love shared between all of the members of that household. So again, I would say yes. Make the sacrifice, of course, minus the things that Francis alluded to and what I had stated behind that. But other than that, if we got to make sacrifices, if I have to put off some of my happiness so that my child can grow up in a function, as long as we are, the maturity part comes in here, as long as we are mature enough as parents, as adults, that have a sense of respect for each other, that we can coexist and do the things we need to do and for a number of years, 
again, always planning for the future is part of what life is about. For two or three or four or five years, based on the age of the kid, can we make this work and not have a what a marriage should be when we started this, but we can have an appearance of that for the sake of this child as giving it 100% of what it needs to progress. So the question for me is yes. Okay, so, yes. so so let me just twist this a little bit because- yes. Go ahead and twist. Because everybody's agreeing that you should try to stay there and raise the children. But the statistics are showing that the people over 50 are calling it quits. Now, generally- Children are grown you, probably most likely then. Exactly. Yeah. So, so after that, and your kids are adults, then do you all feel like, okay, well, then, you know, you have sacrificed for the sake of the children, and now it is time for you, and it is okay to move on? Well, that's probably should have been more of the question, and putting some kind of age parameters <laughs> in there so we could, I could, anyway, answer it more thoroughly. I'm talking about young, impressionable kids, impressionable kids who look at their parents as their first role models, the child their first love is their parents. And so I'm talking about young kids who need the guidance and the structure of, of I would think, two parents, a man right. and a woman, giving them each something different to add to their, to add to their development and growth. Of course, when now when you over, now once you go to college, you hit college, and then everybody packing up and moving. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I know everybody, that's funny. Every, Everybody dispersed then. <laughs> That's exactly what my parents did. So my parents separated once we were all grown, but they sacrificed for each other. And I think now that myself and my brothers are all married and have our own relationships, I felt like it was easier for us to say, look, y'all are getting divorced. Fine, so be it. Live your best lives. I got my own husband or wife to focus on. Right. And so it's funny you say that because that's exactly the situation that we had. I don't know if that works for everybody, but it, it has seemingly worked out okay for us so far. Okay. I, I guess my thing with that is, I guess, going back to um, what the other panelists said. I'm sorry, I forgot his name. Carl. Uh, Carl. Sorry, Carl. No my big thing is coexisting. Define what you mean by coexisting. Because I grew up in a household, but of course, my mother and father, they were married for um, 48 years before my father, my father um, died. But coexisting to me is like, you just a business, like the husband and wife, they're there just to provide financial stability for the kids, maybe, you know, interact with their activities, but they see no love in the household. So I think that coexisting to me is excluding the love and the emotional part of the partnership. So just explain to me about coexisting. Well, well, again, unless you have, unless you two, the man and the woman have completely dissolved themselves of any, any, I mean, any emotional attachment to the person that they said they fell in love with and said I do to, and then you can start evaluating that. But if there's still a situation where, hey, because a lot of times people still love each other, just can't, they just 
decide that that's, it's time to roll out. So if we still can have a, a meaningful friendship within this house um, and, and, it, and, and love, and look, the love can, friendship can look like love in some cases, depends on the optics. Like, so if the kids who's looking at it, all they seeing is that y'all are in the house and y'all having a good time and y'all, you know, doing the things that they used to you doing as kids because they so focused on their own lives. All they want to know is they see you on the couch, they see you in the kitchen or they see him in the kitchen or you on the couch or, and y'all having conversations and talking about the future and what's best for the kids and how we maintain this household. If they see that, and, and that's, a, that's also a loving environment or portrayal. And I'm using the word portrayal with not meaning it from a negative standpoint. It's a portrayal of a nice family environment because the kids are never supposed to see the worst of y'all anyway in that regard. You never want to, kids right. should never see you, you know, having, you know, uh, extended arguments with it looks like it's because kids get, you know, kids get scared when they see their parents like, oh, what the heck is that, right? It's a fear factor that we, because I know that because I grew up in the household, you know, respectfully, and I'll say this. My dad was abusive to my mom. And so I knew how that affected me when I went out, right? And so um, he wasn't overly abusive, but he did do things that I thought, at the time I'm a kid, I'm like, but I was afraid because I'm like, is that what he's supposed to do? Like, I, I said, maybe so, because he was kicking my butt too, right? <laughs> he, he, was, he was coming in, kicking everybody's butt in the house, me and my sisters and brothers, because he had a bad day and you said something out of pocket. My mom had a flip mouth like me, <laughs> and, you know, and it wasn't worthy of that, of course, but that's what would trigger him and his poor mental state of mind. And so I can remember as a kid how I felt about that as I got older. When I was younger, I was just like, wow, like, is that normal? But I guess, and you go back to playing. And she dealt with it in the room because she tried to keep it away from us. But then as I got older, I was like, that dude was nuts. <laughs> My old man was tripping, right? So again, I think I probably answered it in the early part of my, my, uh, my, my talk that um, you can pretend, you can, if long, if you still, cause hopefully, hopefully I always find it amazing when, when two people walk away from a, a long standing relationship and I'm sure it happens because of things that happen between them. I just find it just weird that people walk away hating each other. Like I can't, you know, and never be in contact with each other again. I'm like, how could you get to that point where that is the case? Where you hate a person that you made vows with, shared with children with, shared a home with for an extended amount of time, 10, 15 years, if you want to give a number. And all of a sudden you walk away, say, I hate that. I hope I never see him again. I'm like, wow, what did it do to get to that point? Because I've had relationships and I've always, and I'll tell you, I'm telling you right now, I don't have one relationship that I've had in my adult life where I walked, well, of course, I wouldn't marry them, live in a household with them, seeing certain things, of course, that's a whole different arena. But I, I'm friends with everybody that I've had 
a special relationship with over the years. I'm still friends with them. We just walked away, said, hey, it didn't work, right, whatever. You did whatever, I did whatever, it didn't work, and cool. And we all just, some of my best friends I was in relationships with, honestly. And so, but again, a marriage is different. In the house, con confined, certain expectations, don't get met, not being fulfilled, whatever, whatever. So I know it's a difference, but I'm just, you know, I was just making an observation. I can never understand how that gets to that point after y'all shared so much of yourselves with each other. Well, I, I want to say on, on the kids front, uh, not being on the abusive side, but I do know kids can be very intuitive. Sure. And even if you're not fighting, they know when things are not right. But they're happy that you're there, though. They're happy that he's there, and they're happy that she's there. That overrides everything. I don't know about that, because I have there. an adult friend. She's older than me. And uh -huh. she stated to me her father was not abusive. But when her mother divorces her, she said she was happy he was gone. And she and 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 she she's fine. I mean, she's been a lady but who's been it, married it, a long time now. But, did but she, she share all the inner workings of what was going on there. Maybe maybe he demonstrated things that was not appealing to the kid. That's why I said if y'all conducting yourselves like a couple that's still cool with it, we're not in love. We're not we're not married acting in terms of sharing the same bed or whatever. And maybe you are because there's, there's variations of that. But maybe that there's always variables that play, go into play because maybe her father was just not a good dude if she hated that. You know what well, I mean? So there's always elements. One thing that I'll I'll jump in on that front. My parents were together um, until we were adults. Um, but one thing that I realized that I did not see in my household that I had to figure out for my own personal marriage is I didn't see affection mm -hmm. in my face. Right. So my husband needs that touch, that physical touch that, you know, all of that. And I'm like, Psh, you're OK. Sit over there. I cooked something. You'll be all right. You know, and it's like that's Work how my mom Francis. and my dad. I know. And you know me. I'm not like a very like overly affectionate. I'm a very laid back, cool type of uh, woman. And that's how my mom was. She wasn't overly affectionate with my dad. And I didn't see that. I never saw my parents kiss around the house or, you know, have that moment where as kids we're like, ew, stop it. That's, you know, that's gross. And what I'm realizing as an adult, it's because they weren't happy together. And so now in my own marriage, I have to make a concerted effort to be affectionate with my husband, even just kind of around my kids or in public because that's not something that I saw growing up. So I always thought that, you know, that wasn't something that was necessary, I guess, but he needs that love language. And those little things do weigh in and people do pay attention to those little things. They do. Because for me, my, my father was very affectionate with my mother. And, you know, you, I took a thing of what I expected. You know, generally they say girls sort of marry their dads. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so my father had a lot of things that, you know, that I was looking for. So I'm just saying everything is not about you're there. It, people are watching what you're doing. Your daughters, your sons sort of emulate some things and they pick up things based on what they grew up in the household. And just because you're there doesn't always make it a good thing. 
because some of those things cause the kids to go the other way and say, you know what? I don't even want to be bothered with that. So I, you know, I, I don't think it's really a simple one kind of thing that, you know, answer that. Well, you marriage ain't a simple one, two thing, is it? <laughs> Very <No>. true. <laughs> so Very Francis, true. Here's, Francis, this was interesting. Uh, so, but to the opposite though, my, my, my most recent friend, that's the issue her and I had. And but they fathered her parents were they still together 45 years, but they just mm -hmm. never had affection in the house. It just it wasn't who they were, but they were in love, they had no issues from what she told me. They just didn't have affection, and that's what she saw. And so when I met her, she was like, What you just said, go on over there. I you know, <laughs> I was very, I'm a and my parents was very affectionate outside of that abusive time. So I saw mm -hmm. them on the couch laid up, hugging, watching TV and kissing and dancing to Al Green and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know what right. I mean? But, but so she was, so she, just to go to your point, but even though they didn't have a bad relationship, they she still didn't see them because that was their love. Their love language was no, no language. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure it was one of the five for my first podcast. It and, probably and just she, was different. And they had and to she, learn each other's language that people didn't really do back then. So right. I was dying. I was dying in their relationship because I'm like, would you just touch me? We could be sitting side by side and she got her arms folded. I'm like, what about me? Like she would rub, <laughs> she would have a cat in her lap and be stroking the cat. And I'm like, you're stroking the I, I can't get a stroke. <laughs> 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 I was just I was just of the damn cat. She walked around That's with the cat, so holding funny. to the cat, holding to the cat, and I'm like, you don't I'm even glad you didn't throw the cat out, Carl. I'm like, you know, right. I that. I'm like, but you don't even hug me, right? That's interesting. I didn't think nobody else was like that in the world. That is interesting. Now I might not go that far, but <laughs> I'm just not as big of a cuddler and things, but I, I do it now because I know that that's his love language and I have to, because that's a sacrifice I make for my marriage. Okay. okay. So um, here's another question uh, for the panelists who aren't married, would you consider marriage? And if so, what do you want in a partner? So we're going to start with you, Carl. What do you want? Well, I if just you consider it, I definitely, I'm looking to have a companion to, to move around with. Um, and the second question was, what do I want? What, yeah, what do you want in a partner? If you, you know, like a partner, what, what characteristics oh do you God. want? Oh my God, I mean, I mean, you want me to just list, give you a list of bullet points? I mean, let it out, Carl, let it out. What you looking for? I mean, Might be a lady on the podcast saying, you know what, I got that. Classy style, and this is just my ideal. I mean, okay. you know, someone who has class and style, uh, you know, definitely attractive to me. Funny, stream. I'm I'm attracted to intellect. Um, when I meet a smart. I see a smart woman just somewhere. I just be like, God, I wish I could marry her. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing but a, a smart woman just guilt just does it. I'm just like, wow. 
I can imagine just sitting around talking to her all night, right? Just exploring all things in the world. And so uh, in, at this age, that's it, right? Uh, definitely someone, and she got to be a hustler too. She got to be a hustler. She got, because I grew up being a hustler. I, there was no such thing of what I won't do to make, you know, to get this done. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear that. Ain't no, oh, I ain't doing that. I ain't getting my, what? You're going to get your knees. You're going to put your, you know, you're going to, we're going to get our knees. We're going to climb in this hole and right. And we get through, we're going to get out and we're going to wash up and, and nobody would know the difference. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> well, I have a whole list. So let's okay. see. Let me read from my list. <laughs> Ooh, that list is long. <laughs> but it's some, you know, it's some that, you know, I can flex here that way. You know? Okay. Not, okay. And it, it, look, it's uh it's not in any particular order. So let's okay. go, let's go with that. So first I have godly, God-fearing, mm -hmm. loving, passionate about life, financially stable, attractive, chemistry. I put good with kids, but my son is grown now. So I guess I can still say that because he'll have kids someday and I have grandkids not selfish not guarded ready to love family oriented because we come from a very family oriented family faithful not weak and I mean not weak for women confident in who they are um humility flexible adaptive adaptable good listener accepts me for who I am not controlling supportive um, who has a good self-image, um, best friend, patient, and romantic. And then I also have spontaneous. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I think that's a good flip, list. I mean, it is a flip, good list. Flip the page. It's some more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I think, well, Francis, you are a little bit younger than the rest of us, but I think as you enter certain stages in your life, you start looking for different things. What might have been important to you at 20 when you're I'm sorry, my, something I'm else? I'm sorry, my internet, my internet went unstable. I'm sorry. I missed that part. <laughs> I was saying that Francis is a little younger than, than we are. However, you know, what was really important looking in looking for someone for a relationship at 20 may change at 40 when you're looking for someone or at 50 when you're looking at someone because you know you've grown we're not if you're the same person you were at 20 to me there is something wrong with you there should be growth and you should be looking for different things so you know mm -hmm. what the list you have is the list you have and I think you've grown enough to know what you want so Right, because you know, I'm you know, 49 going into 50. You know, I married at 25 for love. You know, I love him. Let's get married. Let's have a family, bump everything else. I wasn't looking at any of this other stuff. If we get along, I love you. Hey, let's marry for love. Now, uh, it's a little different. <laughs> okay. All right. So, here's Francis. a question. No, no, no. Listen, I want to ask, I want to ask this question. Can I? Elaborate oh, on me. Is there is there any flexibility in any of that, right? Is 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 there a situation? Uh, are you asking for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Let me find out he's asking for himself. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Francis. Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> I just want to know what when, like when people have these extravagant lists. 
-hmm. are there flexibilities in those lists? Because I think, I'm, and I'm think, I'm talking to mature women. I can tell that, of course, smart women. That's everything we do. There has to be some wiggle. Everything that we, every decision mm -hmm. that we make, for the most part, there always has to be some wiggle room there. Um, even even some places that we don't even expect to make that wiggle. Sometimes we have, you know, we make it. Uh -huh. You know, as long, as long as it doesn't, it it doesn't. It's not detrimental to the to the cause. Oh, I'm sorry, my internet is going unstable. Um, no, I didn't hear the last part. Could you repeat that, Carl? We, we no, she heard it. We're waiting on you to see about your checklist. What you gonna What you gonna check off? I either give some wiggle room to. I mean, you got <laughs> you at least pick one thing you can check off a wiggle room. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that I could check off, but what I can't check off is being God bearing. Sure. Yeah, I can't uh, check that out. Um, yeah, everybody has to walk in a certain faith just to even right. exist in in the space with 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 the intellectuals. See, but see, my list didn't include how they need to look. See, it's not about so much looking. How the physical attraction is like. That's oh, he has to be tall, six feet, this amount. What? No. Mm -hmm. Hey, I I, I I always trip out women say they ain't about the look, and that's. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because you get a guy to have all that, but the first thing you're going to see is what you see. And you don't even know he fits all, he fits everything on your list, except you didn't see him as attractive when you met him. So therefore, that threw him off. He just off it. He just out anyway. He's out. So how can you, well, even, how can you even begin to see you say that, but that's not being completely truthful. Because you have to have something that's appealing to you as a beautiful woman. You want a beautiful species side by side with you as well, at least attractive in your eyes. And you want your friends to be like, yeah, he's not a bad looking dude, right? Everybody, no. everybody, everybody, whether, whether you want it or not, but you like when your friends can say, you appreciate when your friends will say, that's a nice looking dude. Uh, because mm -hmm. if your friends like, dude, that dude, a hideous looking dude, you better get him out of here. Bring him to the party. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't roll like that. First of all, when I first, this is for like marriage. So when I first meet somebody, it's not all about, it's about my interaction with them, the kind of conversation of the flow between mm -hmm. us. And sure. then once we can, once I'm comfortable with the person, and first of all, we got to be friends first. So I got to get to know you first before we even get to this list for you to even get, you know, to me even considering you to be my husband. I got to have that, that sure. flow, that kind of chemistry on a friendship level. Then a little bit later, maybe I, you know, maybe the attracting attractiveness can be there after I see where your head is at first. Sure, mm -hmm. okay. So. And I hate and I hate to use the word because again, I beauty is in the eye of the beholder, it really is. And we've mm -hmm. all seen that before. We've all asked a question in our mind, and I don't think nobody can deny this. Man, why she with him or why he with her? Like we ask that question just in passing so we see it right it's just instinctual so mm -hmm. but i hate to say somebody i hate to use the word ugly right i don't like to use that word that's why i use the word unattractive in a sense to you because the word ugly is again is it's an ugly word like somebody mm -hmm. should never be looked upon as ugly uh and, and so but i'll say it again if you saw a dude and he was not attractive to you you and he came up to you and he just was not attractive at all for whatever reason 
and he came up to you and tried to and tried to be respectful and holler at you, you go let him down saying, I don't want your drink, bro. <laughs> Well, I mean, that that's probably true. I mean, everybody has their preference and whatever, you know, when you know, when you're approached by people or sure. you approach other people, yeah. everybody has their preference. So okay. I mean, of course, that's why, you know, that's what I'm going <laughs> what I was saying. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's not necessarily saying that, oh, you gotta be this, this, and this for me to yeah. talk to you. No. I mean, if a, a regular person just came up and want to have a conversation, hey, let me see what you're talking about. You gotta be the dude. That, that you accept this drink. <laughs> well, I can buy my own drink, so. That's not the that's that's right. point. That's, right. that's not the point. See, that you I can buy my own drink. You're not, okay, you're, not play, right. you're not playing the game right. You're not playing the game right. See, uh, uh, see that's what happens. See, you let the dude buy the drink, and then, then you know, they get to expect something. That's a whole nother conversation. Hold on, time out, time out, time out, time out. You mean to tell me that if a dude just respectfully sent you over a drink, you would reject it because you could say, you're going to say to him, man, I can buy my own drink. No, you that's wouldn't. not what I'm saying. It's not that type. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, first of all, I I don't like people sending drinks without me knowing where the drink's coming from. That's first of all. <laughs> I need to be, you know, if they, come, if they tell me, hey, come need to the bartender. bar. <laughs> yeah, I want to go up to you with you at the bar. And then if you want to buy me a drink, then I'll accept it. Okay. You know, just depending on the type of person they are. And if I can kind of look to see what kind of, you know, their little swag and stilo, then, you know, he's, I might he's accept it. to your eyeballs. There we go. Swag, <laughs> swag and all. Swag and all. <laughs> well, well let, let me see if I can bring us back and, and hear you, Francis, <laughs> on... What characteristics do you like in, in your partner? Do you like about Jeremy? I think everyone talked about a lot of characteristics that are really important, but I think the the most important to me outside of, you know, God fearing, like you said, Carl, you got to have that to just get in the room, get in the conversation. But um, one thing that I really appreciate about our relationship is that we have very strong communication. Our relationship is not perfect. And um, even just this past weekend, we were both stressed between work, between family, between, you know, so many things happening in our lives. And on Saturday night, we just stayed up and talked for like two hours until both of us got everything out that we wanted to talk about till at the end of the conversation, even though both of us were frustrated from the beginning that we were cuddled up, Carl, all up on the couch, <laughs> you know, appreciating each other and telling each other how much we, we appreciate each other, love each other. And, um, you know, that, that to me is one of the reasons why our relationship has lasted so long because our relationship, even though a lot of people on Instagram will tell me otherwise because they see all these beautiful family pictures we'll post and things like that. Oh, your relationship seems so perfect. Um, it's not, it, it's great, but it's not perfect. And um, I think the main reason that we've been able to sustain a successful marriage thus far is because our communication is great. I think communication is is 
an absolute major part in, in, in a marriage or in any relationship. It is. And, and we don't communicate. We've made it a point from the very beginning of our relationship where when we are frustrated and we come together to talk, we don't raise our voices. And if someone does, the other one will check the, the other person and say, hey, 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 you getting a little, you know, your voice got a little bit of bass in it or, you know, you getting a little hype right now. You might need to calm down a little bit. And then the other person can respectfully say, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Let me come back down and let's talk through this. So that is huge for us because we go through our, you know, trials and, and we need to be able to talk it out, figure it out, and then move forward. Okay. So, okay, it used to be that the person who made the money controlled the household. Do you find that to be true today, whether that pertains to the lady or the man? Do you think that marriage is more of a partnership today and has less to do with finances, Francis? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that for me and my marriage, it is more of a partnership. Now, luckily, my husband and I are very equally yoked in the finance department, so we haven't had to deal with that. But um, I do believe that, like we kind of alluded to earlier, um, marriage is not a one size fits all. And if, you know, someone is not good with finances and the other person is, and they have to be CEO, CFO and COO of their household while the other person is the loving, nurturing, take care of the house, take care of that person. And it works for them by all means. Like that's great for you and your relationship. And if it works, you know, you like it, I love it. So um, I think that there's no real one size fits all for that. And, and whatever works well for your marriage from that perspective um, is okay. Okay. Interesting question, because um, I guess with my growing up and, and my parents and my household, um, you know, the, the husband or the father provided for the family. And that went back, you know, to my grandfather and um, my grandmother. But I know nowadays it's kind of hard because I think women um, make, you know, they have sometimes they're granted more opportunities to make, uh, you know, higher salary, especially in the minorities. Um, for that. So it'll be, I think it'll be a little bit different for me. Um, I guess when I remarry, I think the finances uh, will be based probably on the um, individual's income as far as what they both bring to the table. So I wouldn't say like, for example, the husband's responsible for the mortgage, cars, whatever. It's, you know, whatever the contributions are made from each individual party to the household and if you know the woman is she might be blessed to make a higher salary than the man you know at the time so you know it will be based on whatever the contributions are from each individual for the finances but i do agree it's a partnership so um you know the husband and wife will be equally responsible for whatever is going on in the household as far as finances all right, Carl. 
male, you used the word, which I think it was an inappropriate word. Okay. But you used the word who the man back made the money so he controlled the house. He controlled the household. That was part of the question. You used the word make the money control the house, right? Wasn't so whatever that? you bring into the marriage. You know, and so, but if you think back, women have always controlled the house. Even, even back in the days when it was the man making the money, he brought the money home and gave it to the woman. She dictated what went on in that household anyway. So it really, so I think that's probably where the confusion comes from present day. Uh, because again, even when the man made the money 20, 30 years ago, because 40 years ago, whatever, however far you want to go back. Again, every household I saw, grandparents, whatever, uncles, the men all talked about and they joked and laughed about because I grew up in a household where we played cards, right? We always played cards at, at other family members' houses all around Chicago and then driving back to Mississippi and all these other places, right? Because I had a very large family. My mother was the second oldest of 20. And so and then my father was the oldest of 13. And there was three marriages between their families. And so again, it was never an issue with who made the money because every man I sat around would hear, oh, I got to take, I got to take, you know, my wife got to take Betty Sue to check. Betty Sue got to get the money, right? That was always the case. So women have always ran the household realistically. And so I think that now it comes back again to the word I love to use. And that is the maturity factor. The maturity factor is that if we marry and we live in this house that needs to be provided for to pay whatever is necessary and it's got to get spent. It has to get done. So who makes it is irrelevant. It's going to get spent regardless who makes it. If I make more of it, it's going to get spent anyway. If you make more, it's going to get spent. It's not like we stashing it. I make more, so I'm going to be able to stash more in my pocket. Yeah, you might throw a little off to your purse and your others. The one might throw a little extra in her little purse up at the top of the closet, right? She got that little stash up there. But for the most part, you're going to use the money to, to take care of the household necessities. It should not even matter in that regard. Because again, that falls really on the woman to run the household. And every woman has no problem with taking that mantle and running with it regardless. So um, that's my take on it. It, it. it seems to mean something, but I think it takes some really, really, really mature people who understand their person knowing that we are good people. I'm not trying to do any, I'm not trying to take from you or hurt you. Whatever I got, I'm bringing and playing on the table, vice versa. And because this has to get taken care of, right? All this that we've acquired, whatever it may be, we have to take care of it. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a question that um, came up recently? Um, my husband's job had a, a all hands meeting and one of their higher ups was talking about how he's had to make some tough decisions to move um, various places for his career and um, whatnot. And one thing that he stated became a topic of conversation in everyone's kind of chat 
boxes after <laughs> the the all hands meeting was over. He said the way they've dealt with their careers is that as the man, if he felt strongly about something, they would do it. If his wife felt strongly about something for her career, they would do it. And if they both could not come to a consensus, his vote was the ultimate decision maker because he's the man of the house because God has ordained it that way. <laughs> and so, as you can imagine, um, a lot of people after the call were like, did you hear what he just said? Did you just hear what he just said? <laughs> and so I'm curious to know y'all's thoughts on that when we're, um, we've all talked about so far about having this God-centered, God-fearing <laughs> marriage. How do you feel when we're talking about the man being the leader of the household, not just from a financial perspective? Oh boy, <laughs> uh, Monique. <laughs> well, okay. I do feel that the man, since he's if he's listening to God, right? God is speaking to him. He has a great relationship with God, so he's the head of the household. I will hope that you know he makes the right decisions, but I would want him to come to me for input. Mm -hmm. For him to say, bring the scenario to me and say, hey, Monique, what do you think about this? Such, 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 such. Because he may not be good. I'm an accountant, so he may, may not be good in finances. But at mm -hmm. least bring me in on the conversation. And then we come together and he'll say, well, hey, well, I think we should do this. And then what do you think of that? And I'll give my opinion. But um, to have the ultimate decision without talking to me would probably not fly too well. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but Monique, I'm gonna, to, I'm, gonna to, I'm gonna have to get on you about that. <laughs> clearly, 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 the man that you have in your house, you already know how y'all roll, so you know he's gonna come to you and holler at you about everything, basically. So you know that already. the The question was, if he says after we holler, like we typically do, about stuff. I'm we doing this. Uh, we doing this. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna let you do this, and then we just see what happens. Hold on, no, no. you said I'm gonna let you do this. I'm gonna let you do this. I'm gonna give you this decision, and you gonna no. make the decision. And I then... need you to say to me. Why you just say to me is that this is what we gonna do then, not what you gonna do. We doing this. <laughs> well, true, true. See, okay, I agree. This is what we're going to do. I agree with the decision that you made for the family. I may go. not there be in go. agreement with there it. There we go. There we go. However, <laughs> I'm going to let you make the, I'm gonna let you make this decision for our household. And you going to go in the bathroom and be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then if it comes back a bad decision you can't make any more decisions <laughs> that's right got that oh, right so he wanted done huh he's wanted done. Done. Oh, done and you put know your, put down your list put down your list one and done one and done and and i do agree with you know the man being the head of the household and hopefully that would be a person who was a believer that was leading mm -hmm. the household down the right path so let's start with right with that point, because everybody that's married, the head of the household is not a believer. The other thing is when I made that, uh, when I asked the question before, 
Uh, I'm not going to say, Carl, that it actually rolled that way for a lot of people because, Francis, what you said about that person, that's a lot of truth to that, particularly in older couples who've been married a while. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I have a friend and when she and her husband got married, they both worked, you know, jobs, but he made a little bit more money. So when he was asked to move, she had to move. So she kept moving as his job moved, which created instability in her job. Because mm -hmm. why the person who really earned the money was really leading the household. And I think that went on a lot more than people think. I think that yeah. you might not, that the money might be coming into the household, but ultimately the person who is really earning the income in a lot of cases sort of dictated the way things were going to go. Now, I'm not saying he beat the woman over the head or the man was beat over the head by the woman with it, but I'm just saying there are a lot of situations like that. I mean, people yeah. don't want to acknowledge that. And today, you know, we have, particularly with Black women being some of the highest earning women. So mm -hmm. now the, the situation is sort of flipped and a lot mm -hmm. of them are earning more than me. And that's a whole different, another podcast. But I'm just saying, <laughs> money does play into things. It's, it's just no mm -hmm. way to avoid that. Yes, you're going to bring your money to the household. But, you know, I, I, I actually have a friend that is remarried. And, you know, they were building a home and, you know, he has a good bit of money, but he wanted to skimp on the home, which was important to her. But what was important to him was the new car. Now, he has a collection of cars, but why can he say that? Because he is really the one making the income. He's going to make some concessions mm -hmm. because that's his wife. But mm -hmm. I still think money plays a factor. I mean, that's just my opinion. So, Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm going to bring us uh, to an, another uh, a fact. Uh, according to everygirl.com, surveys show that millennials are 177% more likely to be pressured to get married than other generations. Do you feel like you or your unmarried friends or family feel pressured to get married today, Carl? That's what you said. You, that's for that's for Francis. She's the millennial. <laughs> uh, I knew that was coming. Well, it's not for just for millennials because I still well, think some people are, millennial, are feeling pressure to get married different. But you said you called the millennial stat. That's what you. Called it is it. a millennial stat. But I said, did you your family or unmarried friends? All your friends older, Carl? But you started off as a millennial stat. I know, but it says, do okay. you feel like you? <laughs> Are your unmarried friends or family feel pressure? I, I don't, ain't no pressure. No okay, pressure no pressure with anybody no pressure. you know. Okay. Ain't nobody being pressured to do nothing around me. I don't know. It's just not. Okay. Most of, to be honest with you, most of my, most of my closest homies, male and females are married. Yeah. So they don't have a pressure to do that. They precious talking about should I stay here? <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> no, I'm serious. They always having a conversation in some in some off the cuff kind of way, and I'll be mm -hmm. like, "Why are you even thinking that?" Because people think it. Simple. Sometimes people think what they think, and they just and the fact that we friends, I'm sure they wouldn't say that out in the general public, but because we friends, right? They would they would say that. In the cuff, like I'm thinking about leaving that dude. Like if he walked away <laughs> after, and I'd be like, "That dude's a good dude, yeah, but I can't stand that big grown day." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, you just playing." She's like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> I'm 
I'm like, girl, you ain't going nowhere. The other day, a friend of mine was, who I'm, you know, good friend of mine, she was talking about talking about the moving thing. She may have to relocate to Atlanta for her job. And she was like, I was like, well, like, like, what is, you know, what is George? Is he, can he, you know, work for remote? She said, I don't care what he can do because I'm, he might even be around anyway. So I was like, where that come from? <laughs> she never, like, just out of the blue. And I'm like, where that come from? She said, I'm just, I'm telling you. I'm like, you know, it wasn't an out of the blue uh, thought. <laughs> But okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. none of my friends up. No, nobody. Look, the only pressure is probably me putting on me. Other than that, everybody just rolling, rolling with Rush. All right, <laughs> Francis. I feel like for a lot of my unmarried friends in this millennial generation, I don't see as much pressure to get married. To be honest, I feel like there's a lot more pressure, especially for females, to have these children. And I've seen a lot of my friends, parents even say, look, I don't care if you get married or not. I just want some grandkids before I, you know, get too old or what have you. Um, And I feel like I've seen a lot of pressure on that end, which could in turn end up being pressure to get married. But I think there's more so that ticking clock um, on having children. Okay. Thoughts, Monique? Yes, I agree with Francis. Um, I do believe <laughs> that the uh, millennials probably our time um, probably pressure from you know friends and family probably for the women as far as the you know basically the having the kids with the time clock. But I think it's different now than it was back in you know the nineties. You know, women nowadays you know we have technology and you know mm-hmm. we have a lot of surrogacy, surrogacy. I can say it right and freezing of eggs are you know on the rise so they're able to um wait later in life to get married yes. and start a family so i think technology has a lot to do with that so um hopefully 100 agree yeah hopefully they're not um feeling too pressured because you don't want people just get married just to have kids too so right um, well i don't think we have to worry about that much today i don't see i don't see a lot of that <laughs> That is true. That is true. But the fact that I see more of my friends' parents saying, look, we we tried to get you married off and you're not getting married. So just go ahead and have some kids, like figure out a way to have some kids and we'll, you know, deal with that later. I, I think that that's something that is newer where, you know, these adults and um, future grandparents um, are not, they don't care as much on whether marriage is there. And, and maybe I'm speaking too generally, but um, I just see it more often than I think has probably happened in older generations. Okay. So here's another interesting fact from the U.S. Census. 1.7 million married couples in the U.S. have decided to live apart. And experts say that the number's on the rise. Living apart enables each person to have some autonomy and simply have their own space. How do you feel about this? And what is the point of staying married if you wanna live apart, Monique? Oh my goodness. Uh, I've been in long distance relationships and I can can imagine being in like a long distance marriage, living, you know, living apart. That's hard. 
that's hard. I mean, on both parties. And I guess my question is, why stay in the marriage? Like, especially if you're um, my age or, you know, older, older in life and the kids are grown and we're not really staying and coexisting for the sake, you know, from the other question um, that we had earlier um, in the discussion, we're not staying together for the kids. Um, well, you know, what are the reasons why we're staying together? Because ultimately, you know, you want, you want to be happy, you know, and, and I also depends, it also depends on, you know, that's a case by case scenario. So uh, one marriage may not look the same as another marriage. So it all depends on how the two people see their marriage at that state or time in their lives at that point of time. So um, it's all, you know, it's all dependent on individuals in the marriage and what, how they, how they foresee their marriage um, looking in the future. But I think it's kind of, it would be hard, hard for me to, you know, be married and live. Now, if they're, you know, if I'm married to somebody and they're in, uh, you know, in the service or something or a job has to have them where they travel a lot, then, you know, that's a different story. But if we're just constantly, you know, consciously deciding, okay, hey, no, you live here, I live here, that, that would be hard for me. Okay, Carl never happened here as I, as I express and even at this age now affection is extremely important I'm like I'm always I, I can't understand why I even sleep alone at any time of the, any time of the week because <laughs> just I don't like sleeping alone so the days the many days that I do that's probably the worst night that I can have. So I can imagine not having my spouse with me and I have to go and do other things or either go and find her in some other part of the world just to, just to have some companionship. No, that's, I mean, I, but I do understand that, you know, people have arrangements and so it can be business, it can be, you know, personal, financial, whatever. People have arrangements. Well, I've, I know folks who do that actually, but it's just something that I could not feel in the way I feel right now. Definitely, no. Francis. Yeah, I agree. I, I couldn't do it. Um, I do think though that it depends on your intent. Like, are we intentionally living apart um, because we don't want to cohabitate, or are, is it because of a situation like Monique? said uh, with the service or a job opportunity or you know hey I'm moving to New York to get us all set up and you're going to move in next year you know what is the intent of us not living in the same place because if there's no um, future outlook where the two of us are eventually together then that's not an option for me okay all right I have one final question should loving someone need to end in marriage? Should couples be able to define what their relationship looks like, Francis? I absolutely don't think that loving someone needs to end in marriage. Um, I do think that God has provided one husband for me, but I don't necessarily 
believe that there weren't other people out there that I couldn't love. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for me, just because you have the ability to love or love someone does not mean that that person is your God-given husband or wife or who you were supposed to be with long-term, who you were supposed to have children with um, or kind of create a life with. So for me, even if you love someone does not mean that it, it should necessarily end in marriage. And I think one thing that I don't see my friends doing as much anymore um, that we did um, is premarital counseling where you kind of hash a lot of these things out because you can love someone, but are you really prepared for this endeavor that you're going to take together? And um, we did premarital counseling both in the church and outside of the church, because I felt like that was important to, to have kind of the church version, but also the practical financial money, you know, mm-hmm. how we see, view things, how we want to raise our kids, just trying to get some of those tough questions out of the way. And um, I think that that is really important to where, you know, you could love somebody, but you get to that premarital counseling and y'all aren't on the same page. So let's go ahead and call this quits. <laughs> we do not need to force ourselves into a marriage um, that's going to ultimately be unhappy either for either one of us or where we bring kids into an unhappy home. So, um, yeah, that's what I think. Monique? Um, yeah, I agree with Francis. Okay, loving someone does not need to end in marriage. I think it's dependent upon where they are, where they are in their lives. Um, you know, the older, once you're, you know, up in age, over sixty, older, you just probably want a companionship, and you probably have, you know, you probably already financially stable, and you probably have benefits and whatever from previous spouses that, you know, if maybe if you're a widower of that sort of thing. You may just want a companionship to spend the rest of your years with. So it's just depending upon where the two people are in their lives. And just because you love someone doesn't mean that you have to bear him, like Francis said. All right, Carl. Well, clearly, the one woman who I could say without a doubt that I love, I didn't marry. So there we go. Now, what was the second part of that question? Um, it said, um, should couples be able to define what a relationship looks like? Prior to them making a commitment or why they're together? Right. So there are some people today who believe, you know, I love this person, but I don't want it to end in marriage. I want us to live together. I want us to be companions. So I'm saying, should couples be able to define what their relationship looks like and not be forced into a stereotypical type of relationship? Okay. I don't know that one. I'm stuck on that one. I mean, what is the stereotypical relationship? Like, I mean, well, it I, used to be that, you know, everything led down the marriage path. 
But today there are clearly some people who don't want to go down the marriage path. And they're not all older people. There are a lot of younger people and a lot of women who don't mm -hmm. want to go down that path for whatever reason. They might have been down it. They might have known their parents or friends who went down and they don't want to go down it. You know, so I'm saying, does it, if you really love, if you love someone and you committed to them, do you have to marry? Is that a requirement or can you decide no, what no. it to look like? Okay, I, okay. I think I have, I think Francis was saying something. I'll wait till she. Oh no, you could go ahead. So now I have a little better uh, definitive of what that question is. And whether you're going to get married or not, just having a relationship, any anything of any relationship of value, you definitely have to have some kind of understanding of what that is and where what kind of expectations are that I put on myself in this and I put we put on each other. There has to be some guide. Everything has to have some structure in order for us to have a path in which to travel. So yeah, we have to have some structure minus getting married or not. We have to know how this look like. Yeah, so yeah, I believe that, yeah. Okay, does anyone have anything they wanna say before I uh, close this out? Okay. So I wanna say, as we close, whether you choose to marry and divorce or remain single, please remember this quote by Rachel Wolchin, quote, People often forget that we have a choice in how we want to spend the rest of our lives, end quote. So choose wisely. And just in case you need to hear it another way, heed the words of Mae West, quote, you only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough, end quote. Please remember that it is important to continually connect with others. Be sure to go to airmail.me that's A-I-R-M-E-L dot M-E, and send cards that tell others how you feel about them. Remember to subscribe to airmail.me and become a mailbird. You'll be the first to know when new cards arrive. Your mailbird status will also notify you when discounts are available. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook at airmail.me, Instagram, airmail underscore me, and Twitter, at airmail underscore me. Don't forget to listen out next month for our podcast. Airmail is taking flight. Bye for now.